Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dcnews35 that's dcnews35 dcnews35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines, and this is Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast, episode 20. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about season two of Harley Quinn, um, and specifically season two, episode seven, There's No Place to Go But Down. So this is a... I, I would say a, a fan favorite if you love Bane, if you love a uh, pit, um, and if you love my fellow Harley Quinn crew. So introducing everybody in alphabetical order, let's start with Brad Filicky. Brad, how you doing? I like Killer Croc and working through my shit. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. And Kendra Hale. How are we, Kendra? Still stuck in the same old pit, guys. How you doing? <laughs> Look, we'll we'll get you out of that pit, hopefully, via George Lopez, maybe. Um, and last but not least, the wonderful Seth Singleton. Seth, how are you? I like the pit. Why would you ever want to leave? It's a safe space. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm in the pit, like Bane says. It's a safe place, man. Like I can share here. So. You know, what the fuck? Why is everybody digging on the pit? Why does Harley want to get out? Why is this, you know, get us through it, Kelly? What's happening? How are you? So we, <laughs> I mean, I'm good. I'm sadly not in a pit, but I, as the world turns, I'm starting to realize why a pit might be, like, the best <laughs> spot to be. But <laughs> luckily, I haven't done any of the crazy bullshit that Harley and Ivy have done to get themselves sentenced to the pit. So we're going to start with that sentencing and specifically with the scene in which um, if for me, it kind of harkens back to that uh, kangaroo court scene that the Joker put on for um, Batman and the killing joke. And also there's there were some weird court scenes in um, Batman, the animated series as well. But the lawyer hired specifically to help out with Harley and Ivy and plead their case. Personally, I think he's a very dedicated, uh, very intelligent lawyer, but he has some downsides. So, so Brad, what did what did you think of of Mr. Manbat as their counsel? I, I like Bane. Wish that I could speak bat. Now, my my personal favorite little part of the scene is when he screeches and then turns to Harley and Ivy and gives the thumbs up. That that thumbs up was uh, was my personal favorite in that scene. <laughs> he believes he's doing well. 
<laughs> that if I had oh. to get out of something, I don't know if he'd be the uh, the uh, lawyer I would be calling. No, no, I think I see. I, I would almost want to call him just to be supportive of him, but only if it was something <laughs> I knew I was going to be found innocent of. Like if there I, was no I, way. <laughs> I, I would love to see his TV commercials. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Oh, just a man. long series of screeches. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kendra, what about you? What did uh, anything strike you about this scene about our our beautiful Mister Manpat or um or any of there's there's quite a few characters in the audience as well. I think the building got me, to be completely honest, because the very first thing that you see when this episode opens. Is it's the the Hall of Justice, and it's like justice is. It's supposed to say justice is blind, but it says justice is two faced. <laughs> and I kind of like as the scene rolls on, I kind of get mad on Bane's behalf because I'm like, wait a minute, like yes, Two Face is the lawyer, but Bane is judge, jury, and you know, carry outer of whatever's gonna happen. So shouldn't Hit it her. be be more Bane related? Yeah, <laughs> but. No, I love this scene because you, <laughs> Ivy automatically gives up and goes, we're fucked. <laughs> when she sees Manbat. And it's not until, <laughs> until Manbat starts talking that Harley's like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, we're fucked. <laughs> I mean... It, oh, poor Manbat. This, this scene was great. It was hilarious. It's, and he tries, but it is indecipherable, wouldn't you say, Seth? <laughs> It's completely indecipherable. It's it's hilarious, and that's what sort of makes like the whole exchange later with Bane, where he's like, you know, literally, I I I want to, you know, <laughs> I want to do something, but I I don't speak bad. I don't I don't actually understand what this guy's saying. Can anyone, you know, help me out? And he he sort of just breaks into that. Really, I think we were doing it right before, or I gave it a good shot right before we started recording. But he's just like, does anyone speak bad? You know, and everybody's just sort of like, hey, uh, no, actually, no. And uh, it makes it even better when a little bit later, Man Bat's like, this is bullshit, dude. <laughs> what the fuck? And you're like, wow, I wish people could understand that Man Bat just said bullshit. And, you know, I think it might change the dynamic of the courtroom at that moment. Instead of everybody just going like, dude, he keeps screeching. What the fuck? Like, he just keeps screeching. Can anyone... It's not that I'm judgmental or biased or indifferent or supportive. But, you know, fucking screeches give me a headache. <laughs> like, and it's not like... It's like... <laughs> this full blown... Like, you know, you can feel vibrations are demonstrated in the animation. <laughs> I'm like, how do you not have temporary hearing loss? How is this not like a death metal con- you know, concert? And afterwards, you're like, what? Dude, fuck, what? Oh, dude, what? So, yeah. Uh, what was your take, Ellie? Yeah, I mean, he... Not the best counsel, but I do love him. I think this particular moment in the show made me laugh harder than this might have been my hardest laugh for season two so far because it just just the ridiculous of it he comes in he's got a little tie on he's got a clip clipboard or a, a, a briefcase like he looks like he is ready for this case and he's you know sits down looks at the judge takes a deep breath and just <laughs> and it's I mean, I lose my shit every time. 
it just—I mean—he got dressed in the morning. He, there's probably very relevant documents in that briefcase. <laughs> this is a man who takes his job seriously, and unfortunately, he's also a bat who is in no way a man, and that—that that is his downfall. But I love him. I—I I mean, Man Bat is so underrated for just a, a, even in um what is it justice league dark he is so so he just he tries and he's always putting that effort in and i think this show did a really good job of showing how that effort seems to not really it's never really what everybody else was looking for um but you know best of luck to him in his legal career someday somehow I don't have a hopeful one for that. No one's going to learn how to speak bad. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you don't have an inner desire to learn a language? It's based on different varying, you know, pitches of screaming? How is that I not do, appealing? I do, I do, but I wonder who would teach it to me is the problem. And I wonder if it would be worth hanging out with someone who could teach it to me. <laughs> Yeah, I just think that it would be, like, the perfect scenario, like, in, like, awkward situations where most people don't understand what's going on anyways. But could you imagine if, like, you're, you know, with your friends out at a restaurant or a bar and you start shrieking and people are like, holy shit, is he going (laughs) to kill somebody? Is she going to, like, you know, start a fight? Uh, Are they complaining about the food? (laughs) (laughs) Is there a bloody hand in the soup? Like the shriek, is it good? Is it bad? (laughs) That's the glory of the the shriek. There's no way of knowing. (laughs) Right. I think if someone else was there, you could just have a shriek conversation and everybody else around you like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And you guys are like, this place is fucking awesome. Let's come back here tomorrow. You know, like, I think that would be pretty (laughs) awesome. I would consider learning that just for that reason. So I could be like, you know, hey, Brad. <laughs> Dude, I fucking love the sandwiches here. <laughs> you know, and everybody's like, oh, God, I think that was a war cry. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. like, that would be the best confusion, intimidation, slash, I'm just fucking with you guys. Like, that would, I'm sorry, but there's a certain point where you're just like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You guys are getting it today. <laughs> <laughs> I just got that wild hair up my nose, and I don't know what to tell you, but uh, shit's happening, and I'm having fun. I love it. Yep. I I think, okay, you you might have made a good case for it. We'll see. Well, everybody stay. Hey, being bad bad, we're going to be a defense or a prosecuting team, and we're just going to make cases, baby, just like all day. He'll shriek. I'll translate. (laughs) (laughs) So after this, uh, you know, I... Call it what you will, but I would say rather unfair sentencing of Harley and Ivy. Before we find out where they're taken, we get to see what's going on with Gordon and Batgirl. Um, So obviously Gordon's been a little bit off the rails. I mean, not completely off the rails, but he has been living in his daughter's dorm room, um, which is, I would say, a low point for most grown men. Um, But Barbara's trying to get him back on his feet, even though he doesn't realize that the same daughter he is living with is also the daughter who is simply putting on a mask and a leather jumpsuit and fighting crime with him. And they find themselves deep down in the the sewers under Gotham, where one of, I don't know why he's one of my personal favorite Batman characters, but he is, 
uh, Ratcatcher is is hanging out down there. And this version of Ratcatcher actually makes me like the character less because there seems to be, uh, well, you know what, you you guys describe it. What is how's how's this Ratcatcher come across, uh, Brad? I, I, you know, I have to um, stick with Jim Gordon on this one and say that he, what, what does he say? He says, I've seen things like this on the deep web or something to that effect. Yeah. And I think that, or the dark web, and I, I think that this is a, a rat catcher that's definitely more in tune for the dark web than, than say, the Suicide Squad. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Kendra, what about you? I don't know. I kind of dug him. I mean, you don't really get a lot of screen time with him, but you get enough to hear him go, swarm, my children, swarm. Which, I mean, that's really all he does, is talk to the rat. So, I think that we need more rat catcher. I, I could see more rat catcher. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Seth, what, what about you? There was, you know, there was... <laughs> There was something wonderfully creepy about the way he's sort of lounging, not quite, but almost harem-esque style. (laughs) Like all these rats just sort of lay around. You're like, you guys are awfully chill for rats. So what the fuck's going on? Are you guys doing opium? Like, you know, (laughs) what what is it that you got these rats on? Are you like, you know, doing the Pied Piper thing? How does this work? Because then suddenly to to have that, like, you know, very parental response to my children, you know, swab. Like, I I definitely felt like maybe there was a little bit of the Wicked Witch uh, from Wizard of Oz, you know, "Ah, fly, you know, and then you just sort of have this uh, cacophony of explosion. But I I thought, agreed, it felt kind of one note, you know, because as Kendra pointed out, we don't have a lot of screen time with him. So I would have enjoyed a little bit more. It also gave us a chance to see that, you know, for all of his drunk bumbling and grumbling, Gordon is slowly and continually getting to lower. I mean, he's literally in a sewer trudging through God knows what before falling in the waters because he's so bad at doing anything effective when it comes to (laughs) wrecking that his daughter is looking at him in embarrassment while she picks the rat off him like, dude, are you ready to go? So, you know, not only do we get this quick exchange with the the rat catcher, but we also get to see just another example of how Jim can't hold on to his flask when things get tight. He falls into sewer water. His daughter's got to pull him out. He doesn't even know who she is. Like, you know, as he even says to himself right before literally falling um, down again, uh, I used to be a damn good cop. And, and he did. But in this moment, he is not at his finest. What do you think, Kelly? Well, I'm just going to go ahead and say say the thing that, that you guys haven't said, which is that I, I get the sense that Ratcatcher totally fucks rats. Uh, I mean, that was not <laughs> the case with Batman. But <laughs> I'm just going to put that on the table because those, I mean, like, like you said, Seth, there was a very harem-esque kind of vibe going on there. And he's like, he's like, tickling them and they're tickling him and it's just very uncomfortable i don't uh yep. <laughs> i mean i love the kid you say it out loud him and queen of fables but i kind of want to see who would win in a battle between him and queen of fables yeah because that that would be i mean 
I feel like the queen would end up winning because she has animals besides the three blind mice, but I would love to see her with just the three blind mice versus Rat King and Rat King. Wow. Or he's elevated now. She's the queen of fables and he's Rat King. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't he be like a Disney princess, though, since he can talk to the animals? (laughs) Wait, we're forgetting one key factor here that I think I want to bring up and see what you guys, you know, have to say about it. Because don't forget that Gingerbread Man was kind of, you know, a freak. And I'm pretty sure he would have turned whatever tricks needed to be turned with those rats to definitely give Queen of Fables the inside. She might even turn enough tricks to get the rats to turn against the Rat King himself. I'm just going to toss that out there. Because so in the end, the gingerbread man wins. Yeah, yeah, I think I, that. I, I think so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not what we would call uh, a pretty win. It certainly falls <laughs> into the ugly win category if you're a sports analogy person, but uh, <laughs> it's a win. Yeah, <laughs> win is a win. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's a, a fair assessment because I I don't know. Yeah, I, I want to see more Ratcatcher because I want to see if his powers extend beyond just, you know, breaking apart from his rats to have them swarm. I want to see him like topside. I know that's not a thing he likes to do, but I'd love to see like a little rat parade where he's got them all like wearing little berets or something and and everybody's marching and i don't know i feel like that would be delightful and and gross but also delightful so as soon as we pass through this scene we go right into the pit this is bane's um passion project if you want to call it this is the thing that sparks bane's joy it is exactly what it sounds like a huge pit in the ground um gifted i I say gifted with air quotes from um, uh, Two-Face because it's not really a gift so much as Two-Face just wants Bane out of his hair, but Bane takes to it. So he builds an entire prison inside of this massive pit. Um, And don't worry about falling into it because he has stacked just a, a whole shit ton of mattresses at the bottom and you roll down those mattresses and into your new positive thinking way of life. So guys, what did you make of the pit? Do you think that this is the change we need in our, our American correctional facilities, or is this crazy? Um, Brad? <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both, but God <laughs> bless Bane for trying. Even though he was born in darkness, he's trying to bring people to the light. So <laughs> more power to him. His heart's in the right place. <laughs> but, you know, as we see with the, with this Bane, Nothing ever goes quite as he wants it to, the poor guy. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunately Bane's prison. And he does have some good ideas. He's He's got, um, you know, some art classes going on. He's got people making things for each other. I noticed there's some cars back there that looks like there's a shop class. Um <laughs> Yeah, he, he's trying, but Kendra, what do you think? I mean, are, are prisoners taking advantage of all the opportunities they have here in the, the pit? I think it's crazy. I mean, I, I it's really hard for me to wrap my head around it for this episode because it goes from, you know, they have all this social order and justice and then everything goes to hell and then here we are again and it feels like Bane 
is absolutely trying to institute some some really good programs to try and you know rehabilitate because this is where the criminally like not the criminally insane but the criminally capable go and it's just crazy to watch it because it's almost like they're reverting to what they've been programmed to in Arkham Asylum but it's working for some reason under under Bane until Harley and I become um but it's working and it's working well. I mean, you you get to see Waylon painting, you know, Reed in the water, and and like you said, there's others there's other things that you get to see like shop classes and and talk circles. And it's just it's really funny to see how it all comes back to what would have been happening before and what's familiar. So that's where that's what struck me. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a good point that, you know, this is sort of what they tried to do in Arkham in a sense, but nobody wanted to listen to the people in Arkham. And maybe it's because Bane is a fellow supervillain. Who knows? But yeah, that is, that is a very good point. Uh, Seth, what do you think? So a couple of fun things happened for me. One was the fact that this was the abrupt, you know, shock to Ivy and Harley with that idea of like, dude, fuck Arkham. We break out of that fucking place all the time. We're gold. Like, we're, we're so money. Like, we got this. <laughs> and then they end up at Penyadura, which is basically Hard Sentence North or Penyadura North. <laughs> like, rough translation, right? <laughs> and, and they're like, holy shit, yeah, we're, we're being... One, the introduction is Bane basically tossing them down there um, and then, you know, tumbling into that, that massive mattresses and then discovering this this world which okay for the first thing wait a minute they're criminals running gotham and they're still criminals <laughs> how are these not like the upstanding citizens or so like why hasn't this totally flipped like somehow you know you can have Bane in charge of the prison but killer croc's gotta be a prisoner like how, <laughs> how is it that some people no matter who's in charge are still getting fucked here they're just like holy shit a whole other new power dynamic in charge and I'm still a fucking criminal. Like what the fuck? <laughs> that would be like being a revolutionary, like your side wins the war and you're like, and I'm still locked up. I don't, I don't, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of fucked with me a little bit. Then yeah, I, I love the idea that this is like a model prison. You know, there's, there's no doors or anything. Cause where the fuck would you go? You're miles down a pit or at least, you know, perceivably it's it's something that you can't climb out of uh, but also just you know yeah the guys working on the engine block you know waylon doing those beautiful watercolors <laughs> and when they try and give him shit he's like i'm working through my shit yeah, like dude get the fuck off me <laughs> so <laughs> that kind of stuff was hilarious because you you know you're you're going along and then later i mean we get to see more of uh, <laughs> killer crocs rehabilitation process but it, it's almost like they're trying to show us like hey you know why is it this works and other stuff you see about prisons or arkham or anything else doesn't could the you know madcap you know slightly off kilter show harley quinn actually be onto something with prison reform <laughs> but i just I, I love the introduction and i love the pride like there's something about Bane and his pride throughout this episode, whether it's as a judge, like, you know, I know what you're expecting, but I'm fair, you know, to being down there where he's like, isn't it great? I love it. Yay. And you're just sort of looking at him like, where's your 
I don't know, man. Where's the thing where you're like, this is bullshit, you know, and <laughs> I hate this job, but he just seems like so happy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like you just want to sort of go, Hey dude, you're in charge of a prison, like act like it. But overall, man, this was just a lot of fun. And I, I love seeing all the, the different ways that this place for some reason exists, even while the criminals are in charge. And also here's, you know, Harley and Ivy like, dude, this is not the kind of place we're capable of breaking out of without, you know, a really impressive plan. What'd you think, Kelly? Yeah, see, I feel like if I were Harley and Ivy and I had just been dropped into this hole, I would probably go for it with for a little bit. I'd be like, all right, you know, maybe I can work on some artwork, maybe get some writing done. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning to crochet. I'm sure Bane would be fine with that. Like, it's, you know, it's like a little bit of downtime down in the bottom of the pit. Um, but like them, I would eventually want to escape. Although I do love the different projects these characters are working on. Um, and I, I think you guys mentioned earlier Killer Croc and his knitted hats are just adorable. I mean, that's it. There, there's something to be said about someone who can uh, come down from a murderous rage hard enough to take the time to knit two nice fluffy pink caps. Um, and and I do believe they say, they, is it, do they say God is dead? I think was the the thing he inscribed on them. Either way, I mean, sure, that's, but he's working through his shit just like everybody else. And that's the important part. Um, so we we kind of leave Harley and Ivy off in this strange spot, um, adjusting to their new surroundings. And we visit back with Gordon and Barbara, who are just sitting down to dinner. Um, and, and Gordon, on top of being depressed and relatively ineffective as a police officer, also has some of the most disgusting eating habits I have ever seen. Um, Guys, what did you make of this scene? Brad? Yeah, man. If you like mayo and whiskey, Gordon is your man. He he puts a lot of mayo on that breakfast. Oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think it was time for an intervention at that point because, I mean, you just can't go on like that. You can't let anybody you love go on like that either. <laughs> That's where the line is drawn. Mail <laughs> on breakfast. Oh my God. Well, what about you, Kendra? Was that was that the line for you, or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mayo on spaghetti, mayo and whiskey. Yeah. That's just oh. it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that one's hard to watch because if you're eating food, you don't want to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my god. No, not not the recipe for me. Uh I I mean, Seth, you seem to know a thing or two about cooking. Any uh any advice for this recipe or are we just going to have to scrap it? <laughs> Okay, so yes, I love to bake. In fact, recently my sister-in-law knows this because I've made this amazing, I'm just going to, you know, fuck with your all's heads right now. I make this thing called lemon snowballs, which if you've heard of snowballs from Clerk, you're going to think it's a really dirty thing. 
um, or clerks. But if you are familiar with the dessert, you take lemon juice, you cut out the rinds, you freeze them, you mix cream and sugar with the lemon juice, you freeze it for like five hours, you do it again, you freeze it for like five hours, you whip it again, and then you pour it into the frozen lemon shells and serve it. Um, and it's lovely. And that's one of the things you can learn to do when you stop drinking, <laughs> which is thankfully one of the things I learned once I finally did, because watching Jim is like watching every bad experience you have as a drunk or when uh, you're around people who are still drinking, like suddenly the worst ideas. And thank you guys for mixing in the spaghetti, because Brad, when you said breakfast, I was like, holy shit, I thought that was just some leftover spaghetti or something. I didn't realize that was breakfast that, you know, I thought he was just doing mayo on spaghetti. Was that mayo on breakfast? Fuck. You know what? Either way, it's probably dirty and bad. Mayo works in some recipes. Although I will say for <laughs> Southern cooking, you know, if you really want to do it right, you do like some sour cream and you're usually going to end up with a better consistency. Brad, I, I hear some doubt. <laughs> no, I just, I, it just, the whole, the, the scene felt very breakfasty to me. I don't know why. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look, dude, we're not judging it was you, just, okay? <laughs> Are you hungry, Brad? <laughs> If you eat spaghetti for breakfast and pancakes for dinner, you're you're still good in our book, right? You're still you're still loved. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I had no idea. But also, like, have you ever seen like when your friends are drunk or when you're drunk, and suddenly you're like opening the fridge and the worst things are like a great idea? You're like, holy shit, I've got this leftover, you know, guacamole, and then like over here I've got some fried rice and I've got some, and you're just like. Seriously, what the fuck is that guy doing? And you're like, hold on, I've got some ice cream and then some pistachios. And then I was thinking I would saute it. And you're like, I, and then when they eat it, like their mouth has like this really horrible grin because the food's coming out because they're drunk. And it's just like, la la. So I love that we set up this scene that he has with Barbara while having more whiskey and explaining how great things went. But, you know, um, it, it, it would have been great, but that Batgirl thing's just not working out, <laughs> and there's simply no way. And you're like, dude, how are you the rational person describing what the fuck's going on in the world? Like, look at what you're eating. Look what you're watching and it's down with. And uh, Kelly, I, I will say, um, there are certain things that you can use mayo in as part of a, a cooking process, and it's going to work. This is not. This is this is wrong. This is like said, you don't let someone go through this. If it's you, you need to stop. And if it's someone you love, you need to be like, hey, dude, mayo in the fucking spaghetti. OK, like real talk. We yo. gotta talk. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, uh, dude, you're going to die. <laughs> You're either just going to stumble drunk in front of a bus or right now you're going to have a heart attack. Uh, Kelly, take it away, dude. <laughs> you got it, my friend. I, luckily, because, uh, yes, the the actual process of watching him put mayo, first on the spaghetti, I was grossed out, don't get me wrong. But then when he put it in his whiskey glass and picked up the glass, I was like, holy <laughs> shit, don't make me watch this. But then very luckily we get a bullet through the window that immediately takes out that glass. And and just, you, you laid a perfect scene earlier, Seth, because um, my thought process now is, okay, 
I'm that level of drunk where I'm trying to mix it, fried rice and guacamole and ravioli and 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 mayo into whiskey. I've never been that drunk, but it, I'm imagining I am. What yeah. is the one thing you wouldn't 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 want to happen? And for me, that would be a, a group of men with Tommy guns shooting into my house and threatening me and the daughter that I don't have. But you know, get getting all hypothetical here. So Two Face uh, interrupts this meal and <laughs> has a bone to pick with Gordon. Brad, what did you make of this? Uh, oh, I don't know. Can you have a bone to pick with Gordon? Poor guy. He's been through a lot. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's pretty rough. Um, uh, you know, I. <laughs> I do find it hard for me to, no matter what he eats, no matter what he does, to dislike uh, this this version of Gordon. And I think that that scene is why it is you know is one of those you know is an example of that. I just I can't I can't dislike the guy. I'm rooting for him. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? I like his temper tantrums, like. Anytime that Batgirl is brought up, he throws he throws these little mumble grumbles, and they're great. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm so glad the bullet comes through the window because if he'd have drank the whiskey, I'd have been done. So this would have been the part where I would have actually had to be like, okay, I can't I can't with Jim Gordon anymore. <laughs> like that's I can't like you're. If you're willing to put that in your body, you sure are. You you are at the final step before you just need to be like Arkham. (laughs) (laughs) That's what that is an Arkham worthy offense to you, Kendra. Yes. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) If somebody's willing to drink that, like not even you know what I mean, like not as a frat. It didn't happen on on the college campus. This is in their home. You know what I mean? So it's not even like we have the frat bros in the background being like, "Do it, do it, do it." No, it's it's at home over spaghetti and mayo. <laughs> no, this is definitely one of those where you need to rethink what your priorities are. It's, I, I I see what you mean though. There are some things that it's okay to do in a certain environment, but if you bring it into your home, you're you're a piece of shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> District Attorney Hale would have you behind bars. <laughs> At least for an evaluation, like I, an I like MRI, that. something. <laughs> Fair enough. What about you, Seth? I, I mean, what what do you think is worse, the the offensive food, the men firing into the house, or I, I I did forget to mention there's that cute little moment where he uh, sees a picture of him and, and Barbara when she's a child, and it kind of gives him a moment of clarity, of post-Mayo clarity. Um, but Seth, what do you think? You know what was great about that scene was how, one, he is saved from drinking that, because yes, he would have drank it, Kendra. He would have chugged that fucking shit down, and... Potentially, we would have seen him puke all over the fucking place, which might have been its own sort of moment. Because one thing that I love about Jim is that we are seeing him heading towards a bottom. 
Like you just know this, this can't subsist. And we actually get, you know, a hint of just what that can mean because when the bullets started flying, a, he saved from the God awful drink, which I mean, trust me, like if we, if we make Oldschlager, like, you know, like legal, <laughs> if 151 and some other stuff like Everclear is like possible to get your hands on and like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if whiskey with mayo is much worse, but <laughs> he gets saved from the drink from the bullets and we then get to see him suddenly alone you know, shit-faced in whatever degree of that he is. I mean, he might have just been getting going, um, which is always kind of an interesting thing. You got the old alcohol and the new, and, you know, the food. And, but the bullets start flying, and he looks around for Barbara, and she's gone. And he has that feeling of being completely alone, which if you're, like, in a bad state of getting fucked up, um, alone is, like, the worst thing. Because suddenly it's just you and your shit, you know, and Waylon, we're seeing, is getting through his shit. Jim hasn't gotten to that point where he's going to work through his shit. But Kelly, like you said, he suddenly has that moment where he all he has is that picture of Barbara. And he also has that picture that shows him as this clean, upstanding, forthright man of the law, man who others follow, man who commands. And he sort of like decides okay maybe i have nothing left but i can still be like the memory of that man i can still live up to the memory of this woman my daughter who always looked up to me and if i do something maybe still will and yeah we we do get a chance to see him start you know shooting back but but sometimes when you're worried about the front door there's always that question of what could you know what could happen next so I love that we get a chance to see him sort of like, you know, have a moment of clarity, have that recognition of, of what it is he was doing it all for in the first place. Because, I mean, it, it's a big thing. I don't have kids. I got puppies. But my little girl, when she looks at me like I'm the king of her world, I, I guarantee you, all I ever want to do is live up to that image in her mind. And I think that's what we get a chance to see with Jim. A little heartfelt between all the fucked upness, you know, of mayo and spaghetti, mayo and whiskey and bullets flying. Kelly, what was your take? Oh, that, is, that is a very nice way to end that scene. Um, <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> and, yeah, so you know what, I'm, I'm going to leave that there. That's a nice hopeful note, because nothing else I could have said about that scene would have been further than just, what the fuck is wrong with this man? <laughs> <laughs> So we move from there back into the pit with Harley and Ivy um, and and Bane is sort of getting them settled into their their new place. Now, one of Bane's biggest rules is to make your bed. That's that's like rule number one. Uh, I think he I, I don't remember the exact line he says, but something along the lines of uh, a, a tidy room makes a tidy mind. One of those things that someone's grandma somewhere has embroidered on a pillow. Um, and he informs them that George Lopez will be flying down for the talent show that evening. Um, Brad, what do you think? Uh, I, I, I like their plan. Hirelees uh, and Ivy's plan after it is revealed that George Lopez is coming down to the pit. Uh, because if anybody can start a riot with a tight five, it's Harley. And... <laughs> 
George Lopez, would he be the comedian that you would think would play a prison pit? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I almost want to see who you guys think would be another comedian that should uh, that should also play the pit. Huh. Oh, I got to think. Um. Yeah. Who's the guy who was the punk rock guy who became an actor and he's always got or 90 percent of the time, 95, he's got like a shaved head and he's always just mean and angry. But he was like a kind of stand up comedian, punk rock guy. Uh, I don't remember. OK, dark brown, shaved head, tall, lean, muscular and sort of just always like his punk rock was like, ah. I'm yelling at you, and I'm tough. Like, it, it wasn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that it was almost like a, you know, angry rock. That's the guy I'm thinking of. His name will come back to me. That's the closest I could come to. Either that or Carrot Top. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was thinking maybe a Bill Hicks or Sam Kinison, even though oh, they're sadly you. both gone, but right. <laughs> in in a perfect world. <laughs> Are you thinking of Henry Rollins? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. Yeah. oh, oh, yeah. Henry Rollins, because I feel like he would just sort of be like, "Damn you, comedy!" And I can't. <laughs> he just starts yelling or losing his shit. But there's there's something fun about watching Harley and Ivy start, you know, and then having this conversation about everything we can anticipate from, you know, George Lopez. Oh, he'll come and he'll tell jokes about the idiosyncrasies of, of the Latino family, and everyone will be so distracted by how enjoyable that is. Like, it, it was this really sort of, it, it wasn't deprecating, but it was almost deprecating analysis of George Lopez's comedy. And I'm like, <laughs> the writers like George Lopez, or are they talking shit? Because <laughs> it's kind of a line. <laughs> well, I, I mean, personally, I think I feel as if they didn't think more into what would be the best comedian to put in the middle of a prison. I feel as if Bane just picked his favorite comedian. That's that's the whole vibe I get here. <laughs> yeah. That Bane was like George Lopez, and and here we are. But they they have a good plan. They have something that they can set in motion, and it all hinges on Harley being able to get up, do her type five incite a riot and get out on that helicopter but unfortunately there is a wrench thrown into this plan um as i mentioned before bane's biggest rule is make your bed and harley and ivy as you know the badass supervillain chicks that they are don't make their bed so or harley doesn't make her bed so she is tossed in solitary given the guard cheryl who we have met before and now we're in a, a fun place for Ivy. So what what do you guys think? How's this unfolding so far? I love Cheryl. <laughs> I think that Cheryl needs to actually become like part of the the comics. They need to introduce her into the DC universe proper in some way. If I was ever taxed with writing Batman, that would be the first thing I would do. My whole first arc would yeah. be introducing Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> Batman with Cheryl. <laughs> Love it. At this point, she's got a whole, like, backstory to pull from. 
It started yes. out in GCPD, the world went to hell, and she decided to join the Bane and become part of this prison. <laughs> I mean, it, it. I would read it. <laughs> oh, yeah. All about her, and what was it, the coconut seltzer? Seltzer. <laughs> 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 the water keeps showing up in this show and every time it's someone will say like ooh coconut and everybody else looks at them with disgust I need to try some of this water to see what that's about if there are gag noises that ensue <laughs> <laughs> instant regret <laughs> yeah so I mean Cheryl is if anything Moving up in the world of Gotham organized crime or moving down, I guess, if you look at her as a police officer. But if you look at her as a, a henchman, she's been moving up from a, a cop to a, a Bane boy to a Bane prison guard. Um, Seth, what do you think? I think, Brad, you're totally onto something. I want to see Cheryl sitting in a bar, you know, for criminals and like doing you know having a three-finger whiskey and just sort of like sitting there like yeah i was a cop then i became a hench then i got on the juice i don't know what to fucking tell you man fucking gotham like you know what i mean and just totally sink us into this noir sort of like i was a good cop once man jim gordon made it back (laughs) i didn't (laughs) you know (laughs) and then just that thousand yard stare Right? Like, wouldn't that... Hey, DC, we got a pitch. Okay, we've got four writers here. We're good. Okay, we totally understand the format. And we have a Cheryl story for you. You just heard the teaser. Um, Now you want to read the whole thing, don't you? Well, you know where our contact info is. Guys, are we down? (laughs) Plotting, story, dialogue, character development. There's four of us. We could split that load. Shoot. By the time it's done, we might make like 35 cents. That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> and we have a comic. <laughs> but yeah, man, like there, there, there's something about one. I love that it's the tiniest little thing. And yes, um, I can definitely say that I was younger when I was younger and thought I was, you know, sort of. Fuck yeah, rock and roll. Uh, yeah, make the bed. Oh, dude, squares do that. Like no fucking way. You know, make the bed. So, of course, Harley's going to get popped for it because she doesn't make her fucking bed. That's just, you know. And then we've got Harley, who's, uh, you know, now watching as Ivy is suddenly put in the position of, dude, you got to start a riot. <laughs> oh, wait. First, you got to go up and try and do some stand up comedy, of which the high point was when Killer Croc talks, I thought he was talking out of his asshole. Like, if that's your <laughs> point, granted, you will start a riot, but you will also, um, you know, it's not easy to follow up on that one. So uh, that was going to be tough enough for Harley to try and, you know, just swing her way through. And and now it's Ivy. And I think uh, you know, the fun part is Harley might have tried to intervene if it wasn't for Cheryl. Kelly, what was your take? Damn, poor Killer Croc. <laughs> he knits them hats, and all they do is mock him. It's it's kind of sad, you know? I, I feel for him. He's trying to better himself in this prison. Um, but yeah, it's, go figure that Harley wouldn't follow the one rule. And it's also hilarious, because we, we see a lot of super villain plans get foiled throughout this show. What's funny about this one is that, 
the thing that foils her isn't some grave mistake, some miscalculation. It's literally just she didn't make her bed because she just didn't think that Bane was serious about that rule. And and Cheryl's on the juice. And Cheryl is, uh, you know, a little bit bigger and has a couple pounds on Harley. So she's not getting past her. And George Lopez is flying off into the distance. And Ivy actually seems to pull it together after bombing miserably for her first couple jokes. She, it, it's, it's kind of that self, self, I forget what it's called. It, self-depreciating jokes. There we go. That's what she's doing. She more, I, she more or less just starts talking about her reality. And from that reality, she not only connects with the people watching her, but gets a little bit funny and may have a riot on her hands. So guys, what do you think of Harley's, uh, Harley, of Ivy's set as she's, you know, starting to get the crowd whipped up into something? Brad? Uh, the best comedy comes from honesty. <laughs> and I think that that's, that is what happened here. She just dug deep into herself, had a little bit of a come to Jesus moment, if you will, and just decided to say what was on her mind and boom, effective exactly what she wanted to happen happened yep that's fair that's fair and uh kendra what about you i like that we finally get to see ivy not only being honest but being honest in front of a group of people and i'll I'll even go as far as to say in front of her peers because this isn't like like we've said obviously arkham doesn't work because everybody that goes in there comes out like a rotating you know and they can't do that here because of the pit so once she sees that the jokes just basically aren't landing, whether that's through her fault or whether they're just not that funny, um, I like that she switches over into this monologue where it makes all of them basically stop and think about what they're doing. I, I like this. I like this scene a lot. Very nice. And Seth, what, would, what did you make of it? I like this scene for a couple of reasons. Uh, For starters, you know, the one thing about Ivy is she's always got some of, I mean, her and Harley compete for the coolest fucking line of a given moment, right? Or response to a situation. And you get that they both do it for a reason. You know, for Harley, it's a little bit more of letting out this shit that's inside of her always because of, what she's experienced for Ivy, it's like a deflection thing. It's a way of almost not dealing with how she's feeling. And suddenly she's on stage and it's all going to shit. I mean, the chopper's taken off. Harley's not coming to her rescue. She takes the swipe at Killer Croc, bombs terribly. <laughs> and I love his response. You know, his response, he's like, yeah, I've got a skin condition. Like, what the fuck? Like, Jesus Christ. Like, really, you're going to go after me for something I can do nothing about? Uh, and then takes the the swipe at uh, Zaz with the whole, like, he looks like Charlie Brown, which clearly is not hitting anyone in a positive way. And then she actually has to sort of just vamp. And in the process, she goes to the one place that she normally works so hard to avoid which is inside herself. And the moment she does, she starts relating to what they're all feeling, which is, so I had this plan and I was going to do all this stuff. And now I'm here with you. 
And is it not just me or when you really think about it, isn't this just totally fucked? (laughs) Take a look around, man. Like we're all here in a pit, like as low as you can fucking get. We're below the earth. (laughs) And, you know, as she starts to do that, it, it does connect with them and they do find it funny. I mean, I love that she opens with. So uh, I came up here to start a riot. <laughs> like, I feel like that's something that you've seen in other, you know, projects where the person's like, so this isn't working out the way I thought. And when you hear the absurdity of it, it it's almost too outlandish to imagine when it's spoken aloud. But it's a perfect way for her to then connect. And also, I think it sets up really well for another moment of honesty that she has to uh, address later on in the episode. Kelly, what was your take? Yeah, so I I agree. It's her um, her honesty definitely makes the scene. And I think it fits the prison that they're in because this is clearly a place where the villains of Gotham are doing, yes, because they can't break out of here like they could with Arkham, but it seems like they're actually in a place where some of them are considering, at least up until this riot starts, considering themselves in way they weren't, ways they weren't before. So I think her audience is also in a really good place to hear her sort of vulnerable, you know, I'm, I'm in a pit and I've isolated myself my whole life. And they're all like, hell yes, too. And they relate to her so hard that they get angry and and start to destroy things. And as as a, a, a motivational speaker, that may not be something that you want. But as a supervillain trying to incite a prison riot, that was a beautifully done prison riot. Uh, very, very emotionally satisfying for all parties involved. And so I really do enjoy the scene. Um and I like that even, you know, Bane is kind of nodding and, and smiling and chuckling through the whole thing up until it starts to go south. But it takes such a quick turn that it's not, uh, you know, there's there's not a whole lot he can do about it. He can't put up too much of a fight to rein, back, to rein things back in. So I, I think they did exactly what they set forth to do with a, a bizarrely touching hiccup. And speaking of bizarrely touching... Um, we can check back in with Jim Gordon and Barbara, where Jim has very recently, after their house is riddled with bullets from Two-Face, finds out that his daughter is Batgirl. Um, And as obvious as it is to him in this moment, he has never put it together before, but he does start taking some steps that we see. Um, Brad, what did you think of this scene? I think that... Barbara was probably at her wit's end. She was like, I, I got to get him out of this whiskey mayo haze that he is in. And the only way to do it, boom, I'm going to reveal myself. And, you know, I think it it kind of worked. It did kind of shake him up. So it was it was good to see that little spark of life come back, uh, come back into Gordon's animated eyes in this episode. Ah, Gordon. Fair. <laughs> Uh, Kendra, what'd you think? Ah, another Team America montage. (laughs) I love these. I love that that Gordon is like, you know, at first he's kind of ticked off and he's like, oh, this is coming from the person who wears a bat as their symbol. And when Barbara does do her her reveal, she's like, yes, 
you know, he inspires my costume, but the person who inspires me to do what I do is you, my dad. And it's it's a very heartwarming, touching moment where, you know, we get to see him finally getting himself sober and, and trying to redeem himself. And that's a, I love that. I love that because it's time that Jim Gordon actually got some of his comeuppance. The guy has been beaten down, I want to say, almost since the beginning, since we first started talking about Harley. So it's really nice to see him finally getting some some good spotlight. Seth, what about you? I really like the way um, I like the way you guys set this up because Brad, you pointed out that Batgirl realizes, Barbara realizes that you know things have gotten serious, and it's when she rescues him, and he's like, "What'd you do that for? Like, why would you rescue me? <laughs> I was finally gonna die. You know what I mean?" And you realize just how much he needs to be shaken out of this torpor he's in. And it's it's Barbara taking off the mask. And then, Kendra, you said it so well, you know, explaining that, yeah, I put on the symbol for one reason, but the reason I put on the symbol is because of you. And making that connection with Jim, shaking him out of it, you know, it's a, it's a poignant, touching moment. It's a way for us to see Jim, you know, for that instant suddenly snapping out of the alcohol induced haze and you know self-defeat that he's been fighting against and then i love that it goes to him pouring liquor like i mean a whole cabinet full of liquor down the drain and and being like now let's do a montage of stuff that doesn't actually address the real difficulties of alcohol and alcohol recovery but skips right to the fun part (laughs) pour it on down the drain he combs his hair kind of (laughs) nice Um, and, and I think, you know, there, those are two moments that, you know, you guys set up that moment for with the idea of like Jim's so down that he doesn't want to live. And Barbara realizes it's time to, you know, trust him and maybe give him something to live for. And then, you know, Kendra, as you pointed out, like reminding him of who he was, which is something he just saw in the picture. And that was reaffirmed by his own daughter saying, you're the reason I do this. You're the reason I've been able to do all of this. Um, and we now get to see Jim taking a, um, more positive direction with his life and showing us again why it is he can once again become a a damn fine cop. What do you think, Kelly? Yeah, I, I, I mean, one, I do appreciate how quickly they decide to make his sobriety montage, um, because that, it just. You can tell how important the way he's viewed in his daughter's eyes is to him. Um, And you can tell that there's a part of him that maybe never really gave up as hard as it seems like he did. Because he's got that that uniform pressed and ready to go. All the bottles go down the drain. He's he's strapped in for the biggest fight of his life within like 10 minutes, it looks like. And and I think that speaks to who Jim Gordon is as a character and just as a person, that there is this undying, no, no matter how trampled down and, and covered in mayo and whiskey and, and depression and divorce, but there's a part of him that is so, so ready to just fight the bad guys again. And he does. He gets up and heads over to the Gotham police station to take on Two-Face, who has taken... Um, He's taken that as his lair. And 
Gordon is alone and, in fact, does not want Barbara's help because this is his police station, this is his home, and he has to do that on his own. Guys, what did you think of this scene from him, you know, saying that this is a solo mission all the way through the the fighting and the guns and the, the many, many guns? Um, Brad, what did you think? I, I'm surprised that he can outrun a Gatling gun. That was pretty impressive for uh, you know, a <laughs> middle-aged dude, but yeah, he did it. Yeah, I mean, Gordon was pretty badass in this scene. Yeah, absolutely. And Kendra, what did you think? I think that this scene is really one of the more redeeming. Like, yes, we had the the montage, but I really love how he's got Barbara outside. <laughs> and they're talking about how, you know, she's like, oh, well, let's do this. And he's like, no, daddy's got this. And <laughs> walks in to do this all by himself. And the real interaction between them is, you know, are you okay? You still have this? Yeah, yeah, good, good. <laughs> Every couple minutes while he's in here fighting, and and it's great. I mean, it's it's glorious violence. I love this. And Seth, what about you? Absolutely loved. Uh, <laughs> Brad, as you pointed out, uh, there there was even a moment or two where outrunning the Gatling gun, I was like, is the bullet hitting him, and he's just not bleeding? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did the animation cut it that close? <laughs> um, because when I was watching it, I was like, that, that, "Those bullets almost seem to be hitting him." I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Kendra, like you said, I, I love the idea of of <laughs> Batgirl just right outside the doorway, <laughs> right after he's like, you know, Daddy's got this. You know, she's like, "You okay?" He's like, "Yep, you okay?" And then he's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 I got this." <laughs> Like that, like, I might need some, no, 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 I got this, I got this. <laughs> um, and the violence that ensues. I mean, you, you love the the confident, you know, ass-kicking Jim Gordon, you know, comes in, blam, 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 fires over his shoulder twice, perfect shots. <laughs> like, you know, it takes out the guy with the gun, picks up the Gatling gun. I mean, there was something pretty hot about watching Jim being like, that's right. And then... Of course, you know, you can take out the henchman, but there's always the big bad at the end. And uh, Two-Face literally comes crashing in, and it's quite uh, a moment from that point on. Kelly, what was your take? Yeah, I I just really like that he's willing to take on Two-Face so quickly, because it doesn't seem like they stopped to make a plan about this. And obviously Two-Face is going to come to, um, you know, reclaim his territory. but. I mean, what does confidence do? Apparently this. All Jim Gordon had to do to take his city back was dump all his alcohol down the drain, hopefully dump the mayo down with it, give his hair a quick comb, and and show up there. But yeah, I mean, just from the ridiculous, glorious violence all the way straight through to we have Two-Face now desperately fighting with Jim in, in like a bizarre kind of close-up hand-to-hand combat situation (laughs) fighting for this police station but Gordon prevails and he puts Two-Face behind bars and honestly this is where Two-Face deserves to be because I I don't think Two-Face is good enough for the pit I also don't think that the pit is government sanctioned and probably will not be where Gordon will keep his prisoners but all that being said, he's reclaimed the most important place in his life. Um, 
So but before we close out that chapter of, of Jim Gordon's life, of his life, of his portion of this story. But yeah, he's gotten his groove back. He's officially back on the table. Uh, you guys have any any other well wishes or predictions for Gordon? Uh, I, I would just hope that this brings a new level uh, in the relationship between Barbara and Jim. So we shall see. Yeah. Yep. And and I mean, hopefully this just helps Barbara become an even better Batgirl, although she's already she's done some pretty great things. Let's just say so for the final, <laughs> <laughs> for the final portion of this episode, we're going to cut right back down to the pit and the pit is now on fire. Um, Harley and Ivy's riot has worked ridiculously well. Things are on fire. Paintings are destroyed. Everyone wants out of this goddamn pit. Guys, what did you think of, of this last, these last scenes? Uh, this is, you know, I, that was a really touching moment of sacrifice that Harley made. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, that this whole scene is really setting up what happens in the remainder of, uh, of season two, uh, pretty well, but, um, yeah, she, she, uh, was willing to sacrifice everything. I love that to the end, Bane holds on to his his philosophical style of doing things down in the pit. I mean, yeah, there's the, the no one escapes the pit and all that jazz. But I mean, the line that he uses with Harley where he says, hate is what weighs you down, love will set you free. That actually triggers in Harley's brain that I love Ivy and I want her to, you know, be able to live life and to be happy and to make that sacrifice. It's actually a really, really beautiful moment, and it's a huge moment character-wise for Harley. Um, so for me, this this whole scene, I'm not going to say that I was sad, but I I really liked watching it when it was unfolding. So this one was, was an important one for me. Absolutely. And Seth, what do you think? There is something <laughs> forlorn. Uh, about the way that Bane is is crying out that no one escapes the pit, you know? <laughs> no one. Um, and yet also how when he's clinging on to Harley, I mean Kendra, really, I think you set it up wonderfully. Um, that 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 is such a powerful thing for him to sort of cut through whatever's going on in Harley's mind and get past the idea of us escaping and worrying about somebody else to the point that they become more important than what happens to you. You know, that's a, it's a genuine act of love. And I mean, what follows it next? There's something so gorgeous about Ivy diving. I mean, I had, I just realized now that I, I suddenly had that lovely connection with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Make-A-Wish Lover, you know, and then dive. And that, that sort of like, I mean, Ivy has really been the the polished, uh, sophisticated, you know, balance to Harley. And there was something like elegant and graceful and yet also um, powerful. It, it expressed this whole sense of fearless. Um, and, and that moment, it seems to awaken 
for both of them something that either they've closed themselves off to or they've never allowed themselves to believe but man you know i i love the things that say and the research that reminds us how often that and this is where i'm just going to be that hopeful guy so yeah you know i'm the swearing whatever but in moments like this i'm reminded you know the human brain can learn 10 times more when it's in love when the human brain experiences love like what it's capable of it, it it goes beyond preconceived limitations both for the people around you but most importantly for the person experiencing and you get to see two beautifully profound expressions of love and in that gorgeously captured in two animated like wonderfully colored and vibrant moments that as as it was said earlier i think Brad, now I'm just mixing it up. Maybe it was Kendra, but it does set up the rest of the season for us. And this awakening in a pit, while Jim is also in the B story, just recovering from hitting his rock bottom, you got to you gotta point to some great writing and some great art to bring it to life. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, this is definitely a turning point, um, not just in the season, but yeah, in the show, because like you said, we have Jim, you know, getting his groove back, on to to reclaim his status as the the commissioner um and you have our first real uh kind of tangible romantic reaction between harley and ivy when you know they get out of this kit this this pit and they kiss and is ivy engaged at this point i think so that's a little uncomfy but outside of that i mean it's the moment that has (laughs) <laughs> uncomfy. <laughs> That's a good word. Uncomfy. Yeah, you know, this is a little. But um, as viewers of the show, as fans of these two, it's something we're waiting for through the whole show because it's Harley and Ivy's romance is is one of those classics in DC storytelling. Even if it's not always canon or it's not always presented in every title that the two of them are in, it, it's something we understand in a, an underlying way that these two are great for each other um and that there's a lot of love there so i mean moving out of this episode what do you guys predict for our and i say predict knowing full well that you've already seen the future episodes but give our viewers or our listeners a little bit of what what can we tell them to expect as far as shifting dynamics as the series goes forward uh, Brad? Well, uh, obviously the Harley Ivy dynamic has to, has to be dealt with. And, uh, it's, well, it definitely will be, but I think that once, you know, that kiss at the end, that was it. That was, this is when the kind of build up to that finale in the last half really starts was with that kiss. This, you know, this is kind of where the the season kicks in full gear uh, as far as the overall arc of the season. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to get complicated. Very true. Very true. Kendra, what about you? I think messy is an understatement. Um, (laughs) I fully agree that this is something that the fans have, have been debating on and been talking about for forever um about how ivy and harley have always been meant for each other and and that ivy you know helps bring out the best in harley and vice versa but 
I do think that this is going to set up, again, knowing full well what's coming, I do think that this sets up them having to deeply explore what this means emotionally for both of them, um, what it means for Kite Man and, and Ivy's relationship. And also, to the other part of this, yeah, Jim is a, a little bit of a side story in this one, but him regaining, you know, his self-worth and his, you know, his self-confidence as, you know, a damn good cop, I think that that's something that Jim is going to also have to to come to terms with is is who is Jim Gordon and what makes him who he is throughout the rest of the season. So I think that fans of the series and of the characters have a lot to look forward to when it comes to the second half of this season. Absolutely. And Seth, what about you? Well, I think the first thing we need to address is Bane. And I don't want anyone to worry because as Bane says, I will rise! And he will. And <laughs> so don't worry, even though Baden's had yet another setback, he will rise. Um, I also think that breakthroughs are great. Recovery is great. But anybody who's dealt with um, any sort of um, condition which affects their personality, which affects their thinking, which affects their sobriety, knows that the, the road, it, it starts with this big, bright, shiny moment. And then along the way, there's going to be bumps. There's re-entry. There's <laughs> complications that, that come along. But I do uh, totally agree uh, with what's been said before me with the idea. This is something that's been known um, and been understood to some degree within uh, the DC universe whether it's been hinted at, whether it's been explicitly pointed at, whether it's been part of a future storyline or a past or a present, this is an opportunity for um, for that connection to actually happen. It reminds me of someone who I know will be addressing that at some point on Tropesville, bitch. Um, and when it comes to that, it's going to be the will they, won't they, which is a big trope. Like, it's this one concept that can drive so many... Di- That's right. Yeah, yeah. I know you're out there. What? You in Felicky fashion? Do you think I forget about you guys? Motherfuckers. <laughs> I swear to fucking God. I'll say this right now. If I'll say it, it fucking again. It took I me a second. I was like, what? Done. I just said Tropesville, bitch. That's right. All right? That's going to be Kendra's show. Felicky fashion's going to be Brad's. Kelly's already kicking ass with DCN after dark. Don't fuck with me. I have no problem putting everybody on fucking blast here. Like, no fucking problem. I am King Kong up in the... No. Um, <laughs> but to, to come back to it, like, I, I, I do love that there's been that question and it's already season two, episode seven and we're like, will they, won't they? And they finally fucking do. But it's not going to be perfect and I think the prediction is that just because you kiss the person you like, if you're engaged to somebody else, it's going to be uncomfy for a lot of fucking people. Um, and when it gets uncomfy, hearts get broken. People have questions and doubts. At times, they're going to find themselves questioning whether or not they made the right choice. Can they go through with this? And, like, let's remember, Harley and Ivy have spent their entire fucking lives avoiding the things in their life that are important, either their problems or what could be their solutions. These guys aren't going to be like, wow, that was a great kiss. You know, flowers, roses, twee birds. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Like, that's not going <laughs> to exactly happen. And Jim's not going to have a perfect road ahead. But we do know 
that for each of them, Harley, Ivy, Jim, Barbara, they, they have someone they can turn to now. They have someone who at times they're going to work against, but in the end is going to work with them. So, man, you know, I have a lot of uh, bumpy roads to a uh, positive rev- resolution in the future. That's my prediction, Kel. What's your take? <laughs> I, I gave you a lot. I, and that is, that, I, honestly, I think you covered all the predictions because, I mean, yeah, we're going to have uh, – you know, as mentioned, some uncomfiness with Harley, Ivy, and Kite Man. Um, fucking word. <laughs> it's it's the best it's the best way to describe it. It's the most uh most calm way to describe what will surely be cha- a chaotic unfolding. So um, <laughs> and and yeah, Jim is in for a tough road, especially considering that even if he stays sober and keeps his um you know crime fighting relationship with his daughter alive and well uh you know the the city is still not part of the united states so we're gonna have to see how they resolve that in upcoming uh upcoming episodes but yeah so that that has been it for season two episode seven of harley quinn there's no place to go but down and luckily it looks like our Villain heroes, I'm going to call them that because I don't really know what to call them. Our, our, our villos are, have made their way back up from the pit. And poor Bane, uh, I'm sure he'll find another passion project. I do feel bad that he lost it. But that is the end of our episode. I have been your host, Kelly Gaines, and I am here with Brad Filicky, Kendra Hale, and Seth Singleton. Um, guys, where can the good people of the world find you outside of this podcast? Brad? Uh, you can find me writing news reviews, DC Comics News. I uh, can find me on the regular uh, weekly DC Comics News podcast as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyV1. Very nice. And Kendra? Um, best place to find me would probably be Twitter at Devour All Words. I can also be found doing news and reviews for uh, DCN, Dark Knight News, and Fantastic Universes. Very nice. And Seth? Yeah, you can find me writing reviews for DC Comics News. You can find me hanging out with this uh, amazing group on Mad Love on the uh, DCN Weekly Podcast where we talk movies, television, uh, comics, and more. You can find me hosting The Spinner Rack, my top five pick each and every week from DC Comics. And uh, you can find me on Twitter as one more singleton out in the greater wide web as uh, just type in Seth Singleton and the word story into a search engine. Find me. Say hi. Kelly, how about you? Oh, you can find me doing uh, opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News. You can also find us find me on our main DC Comics News news podcast. You can find me on YouTube uh, doing DCN After Dark. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at KelGainsWright. And if you enjoy the show, have any uh, questions, comments, suggestions, or just want to chat with us, you can follow DC Comics News on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can catch this podcast as well as our main news podcast, The Spinner Rack, I Am The Night, and plenty of other wonderful shows on anywhere you find your podcast. So Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, uh, I don't know, Carrier Pigeon, but you can find us anywhere. 
Just look up DC Comics News. That's capital D, capital C, capital C-O-M-I-C-S-N-E-W-S. And there is one more thing we like to say at the end of every episode. And that is a reminder to read (laughs) more comics. (laughs) Have a good night, everybody. Two, one.